Hello, and welcome to the Real Pulpit Podcast. I am Abby, and today I am here with Danielle and Roman. Say hi. Hello. Hey. And today we are going to be talking about the Oscars, which are in a week from now when we're recording it. Um, So we're just going to be running down some of our predictions and thoughts. So, starting with original screenplay, the nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Does anybody want to go first with their predictions and thoughts? Well, I mean, I think the favorite's probably The Trial of the Chicago Seven. The Academy loves Aaron Sorkin, as most people do. Um... I was not that blown away by this movie. I mean, the screenplay was definitely better than... I, it's funny, because like, the screenplay was good and the actors were good. I don't know where the disconnect was. But it just didn't come across as totally genuine to me. So maybe that is the screenplay's fault. Um, so I think that's probably the favorite, but it's definitely not my favorite. Um, I thought... I, I, I honestly don't know like what the odds makers are saying or anything, but I thought Promising Young Woman was a really good story and a really good script um hmm. <laughs> no <laughs> disagree i was gonna say i've also i've been hearing it's between the trial of the chicago seven and promising young woman and for me those are the two worst screenplays i think on this list so um i just know i'm not going to be happy with the outcome either way i was talking to Dejour about this um who used to be the host of this podcast um, but I think there are certain movies where the worst thing that could happen to their legacy is getting nominated and winning Oscars. Like, Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, is a good example of this. Um, I feel like winning Best Editing was, like, the worst thing that could happen to its legacy because then people just tore into it. But that's how I feel about Promising Young Woman. I think it was a perfectly okay movie I didn't need it to win any awards this season, but it probably will. Yeah, I was also not too big on Promising Young Woman, but I I do think it's going to win this one because I feel like the screenplay awards kind of go to the movies that got a lot of nominations but probably won't get any of the big ones. Like, it won't get Best Picture or Best Director. So I feel like... Sorkin maybe has a chance at director, um, but I doubt Emerald Fennell will, and I can kind of just see them giving this one to her, being like, look at us, we gave you one award. Um, And yeah, but if I were picking my favorite to win, it would probably be Sound of Metal or Minari, neither of the two frontrunners, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, well, if we want to talk about adapted screenplay, the I'm not reading Borat's full name. I'm so sorry. But the, <laughs> the nominees for that are Borat, subsequent movie film, um, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger, which I actually haven't seen, so I can't weigh in on that one. But I feel like Nomadland has this on lock, right? I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. I think it would be a, a big upset. Um, I mean, only kind of what Danielle said about maybe give it to someone who isn't necessarily going to win another award, but I'm pretty sure this one is pretty clear. Yeah, me too. Um, 
could be one of like three or four Oscars that Chloe Zhao gets that night, which is pretty cool. I mean, I will say, I don't, I watched The Father and it was not at all what I was expecting it to be. Um, And I thought the screenplay was actually very smart. Um, I don't know if you guys have thoughts about The Father, but that would be one that I wouldn't mind uh, seeing that win either. Me neither, yeah. And um, I know it's adapted from his play, from Florian Zeller's play. Um, which I feel like gives him some extra clout. And um, I think the BAFTAs were recently, and it did really well there. Um, Anthony Hopkins actually won Best Actor, which was a surprise. And so, um, yeah, I think there's, like, some late love for The Father, but I agree with you guys. No Madman no Mad will probably win. I have no feelings on The Father. It's a – Dimension Alzheimer's is something that's kind of personal. I don't really want to watch a movie about that right now. Um but I don't think we can totally count out Borat here. I don't know how it's considered an adapted screenplay totally. I think I need to look more into that, but it's certainly something. Unless I'm wrong, isn't it like a mixture of scenes that are written and then improv based on like things that they just go out and have happen? I haven't seen it, so I don't know. So I don't That's know. my question. How is it adapted? What What's it? Ad- I, what? I believe that any sequel is put into adapted just because it like builds off of the first one but but yeah it's it's very confusing and there are so many screenwriters even though this is an allegedly like mostly improvised comedy film so it doesn't make sense but i could also see it winning um just because you know sasha baron cohen's like a huge celebrity and he'll give a funny speech and it'll you know be just good content to watch that night (laughs) academy shenanigans exactly Okay, for directing, we have another round, Thomas Vinterberg, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, Mank, David Fincher, Minari, Lee Isaac Chung, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennel, who I hear is the front runner. That makes me very upset for the reasons I laid out previously. Um, but also, I mean, the upset here is that Thomas Vinterberg is nominated for another round, um, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming. I could be wrong about that. I personally, I don't know why he is nominated. <laughs> um, I enjoyed another round. I didn't think the directing was necessarily the best part of it. I thought it was well written and it had good performances. But I didn't. I don't really have anything about the directing that stands out to me from that movie. Yeah, they did this two. I think it was two years ago as well with the Polish film Cold War. Pavel yeah. Pawlikowski got a nomination just like out of nowhere. So I feel like now this is just a thing. They're gonna leave like that fifth spot open for a random international director just to surprise everyone. Which a kind of cool, but b. Perhaps not necessary when there's other good act, other good directors like Regina King or someone else to put in that fifth spot. I would say Cold War, Cold War deserved it. Another round, eh, I could have done without it. And it is sad that Regina King didn't get nominated. Yeah. That being said, I believe this is the first time I think ever that there are two women nominees for best director. Um, and one is a woman of color, and she's the first one ever, which uh, both are great. So I'm glad it's between those two, at least. Yeah. I'm surprised that there hasn't been, like, more attention for Lisa Isaac Chung. 
personally. I mean, I don't know if that's because A24 didn't campaign as hard for it, or if people just didn't like Minari as much, but... I mean, that's really surprising. I think that's one of the strongest parts of that movie is the directing. I really thought so, too. I don't I don't quite understand Minari's um, campaign, really. I just don't really know what their goal is, because it seems like Steven Yuen probably doesn't have a shot at Best Actor, and I feel like that's the thing I've been seeing the most of, and I've been seeing all these photo shoots with him and different things. But I feel like Lee Isaac Chung has a chance to win, and I haven't really heard them talking about him at all. I feel like at this point, they're kind of leaning all into Yoon Yoo Jung for Best Supporting Actress, um, because she's been winning at some of the other awards shows. And um, it kind of looks like at this point that she might be their only win for the whole night, which which would be sad because it deserves more than one. Upsetting. When Promising Young Woman is getting buzz. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to have a vendetta against Promising Young Woman, but truly, you know what, you're valid in your opinion, Roman. I like Minari more, I I won't deny that. To be honest, I mean, I feel like I generally feel it this way, but there weren't any movies this year where I'm like, this is genuinely terrible and I don't understand why it's getting nominations. There are movies that that were like, mediocre and they're getting nominations maybe it's because there were just less movies released this year although i guess that would have the opposite effect i don't know i was i was genuinely very happy with this crop though yeah i saw someone on twitter saying that there's no like awards villain this year which i kind of agree with because there's not that one like bohemian rhapsody or whatever that everyone can just hate on collectively because they were all pretty solid Academy Award winner, Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> so, for actor in a leading role, we have Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, and Steven Yeun. Um, Chadwick Boseman, I'm pretty sure, is going to get it. I mean, personally, that's totally fine with me. I am very happy to see that Steven Yeun is nominated, and... If he won, I would also be very happy with that. But I think giving an award to Chadwick based on like that incredible performance and also, you know, for his legacy, I think that would be a good gesture from the Academy. Yeah, and I think a lot of people might um, kind of tend to say, oh, he's only just getting it so it's because it's a posthumous award, it's awarding his whole career. But I think that even if he were still alive, that that performance would be getting just as much buzz because it really is amazing. Um, the I think it was the best part of the film and he has a couple really big monologues and you just like, you can't look away when he's on the screen and um, and it just happens to be that it'll also be like a great way to just memorialize his whole career. Definitely. And I mean, I think just to mention Riz Ahmed also had a tremendous performance. These were all tremendous performances. I haven't seen Mank, so I can't say how good Gary Oldman was. I did think Delroy Lindo would get a nom from um, The Five Bloods because he was titanic in that movie. That's the one that just still kind of bothers me. I mean, he did get recognized in other places, but I felt like that was deserved. And I, I'm not going to say that oh, I'll just kick Oldman out because he has won before, but it's the choice I would have made. 
I would say, I'll say it for you, kick Oldman out of this category, please. He literally just won an Oscar for playing a fat white man like a couple of years ago. He doesn't need another one. I don't know why he's here. I'm sorry. I, I struggled. And listen, this maybe this shouldn't count against his, his acting, but I struggled to understand what he was saying for the majority of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, we had to turn on subtitles for Mank, I have to say. And I just, I yeah, I don't think he should be here. I was also surprised that Riz Ahmed was here. I don't know why. I wasn't anticipating The Sound of Metal to get as many awards as it did. It's gotten a lot of traction. And I mean, obviously it's going to win for best sound, but... Or sound mixing. I can never... T- I, if you asked me to explain which one was which, I couldn't tell you. Sound... I can, I think. I believe sound editing is actually the like collection and creation of sound. And then sound mixing is the mixing. I googled this once. I think that's it. Danielle, you look like you have something to say. You, I think I did the same Google search and the same thing came up. But I'm pretty sure this year they actually um, combined the awards into just best sound now so now we don't have to ask that that question once a year <laughs> darn really now they won't be able to make that joke when they're giving out the exactly awards. nobody knows the difference between these two awards okay for actor in a supporting role we have sasha baron cohen uh for the trial of the chicago seven uh daniel kaluuya uh leslie odom jr for one night in miami paul racy and lakeith stanfield I've read a lot of different things about this category. People seem to have very different opinions about who's going to win. I read one source that said they think that Paul Racy is going to win. I was under the impression that Daniel Kaluuya was the front runner. But I also read that because they they submitted both um, Daniel and Lakeith for the same category, people think that might split the vote. Um, And... Therefore, somebody else might win. I also saw people saying Sasha Baron Cohen, so this might be one of the categories that is not yet decided. Yeah, if I had to to pick one, I would go with Daniel Kaluuya, um, though there is that possibility of the two Judas and Black Messiah nominees canceling out. I also am confused why Lakeith is in supporting and not best lead actor, um, but... I really hope Daniel Kaluuya wins um, also because when he won the Golden Globe, um, his audio wasn't working, and so we couldn't hear half his speech, and I just feel like he deserves a do-over on that one. Yeah, I I, I also think it's, I think Kaluuya <laughs> will win, but um, it's interesting because Sasha Baron Cohen is, is like the only Trial of Chicago 7 actor to be nominated, so it's kind of like if people liked, if the voters liked it, like they're all going to vote for him because there's no, no one else to vote for. Um, did I think he had the best performance in the movie? Probably. I don't think it was better than Kaluuya or Stanfield, even though Stanfield should be lead, or Paul Racy. Um, I think it would be awesome if Paul Racy won. That would be out of nowhere and pretty cool, and a pretty cool gesture, but I just think Kaluuya was pretty titanic in his role as Fred Hampton, so I I really think he, he should win. I don't know if he will. He's always incredible. Do you think that it's an indictment of the acting in the trial of the Chicago Seven that Sasha Baron Cohen had the best performance? And that's not that's not like a blanket criticism of Sasha Baron Cohen. That's just like I just feel like his performance was not that incredible. I mean, I also think it's interesting that 
The Trial of the Chicago 7 won Best Ensemble at SAG because I don't think they had the best ensemble. And to me, that was just saying, we recognize that you have a lot of famous people in this movie. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought. It wasn't really the best ensemble. It was just the biggest ensemble with the most famous male actors. Um, that award really should have gotten gone to Minari, I thought, because that's an actual ensemble where each actor did amazing in that role um but yeah Sasha Baron's also just really famous so um and popular so I could I I see why he snuck in there with this one I do want to say Jeremy Strong was unrecognizable in that movie I did not know it was him until the very end so I think he he gave actually a pretty good performance I wouldn't say that changes anything we've just said but I thought he was pretty funny I had the exact opposite reaction. I was like, why is Jeremy Strong cosplaying a hippie right now? That completely took me out of it for the entire time. But what a hippie I he think was. it's because, like, it's because his character, maybe, on Secession, I was just like, this is not, like, I just can't envision you in this I role. guess I didn't know it was him going in, so I, I guess I didn't have any of that background of envisioning. Like, I was, I totally did not know it was him, which... I guess it's weird, because usually I look up the actors beforehand, so usually I always have that context going in. He was my favorite part of that movie by far. <laughs> All right, for actress in a leading role, we have Viola Davis, Andra Day, Vanessa Kirby, Frances McDormand, and Carrie Mulligan. Very random category, if I have to say so myself. I also read that there is no front runner for this, but... Um, I actually read that Carrie Mulligan is the favorite to win this, which is interesting because I thought Viola Davis had, like, early momentum in terms of awards. Um, I didn't see the United States versus Billie Holiday because I heard that it was not good and an insult to Billie Holiday, so I just stayed away from that. Don't watch it. Take it from me. Andrew Day's amazing, but it's it's not worth it. <laughs> I'm I'm excited. I know Pieces of a Woman is uh, very divisive. I actually really enjoyed it. I un- I completely understand why people do not like it, but I am glad that Vanessa Kirby got nominated for her performance. Also, I would love to see a Frances McDormand acceptance speech, so sort of just want her to win for that reason. I feel like Frances McDormand's getting knocked down because Nomadland as a movie is getting so much like traction, maybe for Best Picture or... Um job for best director because i thought her performance was really good in that movie like a pretty standard phrase mcdormand doing excellent um and i don't think i think she was better than everybody else's i would probably say her as the best one or viola davis who i think she just got a little overshadowed shadowed by chadwick boseman in the film um even though she was supposed to command the room even though they didn't share that many scenes together um but i'd say i'd give it to mcdormand i would also like to hear a speech but i do think that she's getting knocked down because nomad lion's getting so much traction yeah, I would agree. My personal pick would definitely be McDormand. Um, another speech would be a great moment. Um, but Viola also, when she won the SAG recently, she had like an amazing reaction. Um, was just kind of freaking out. And um, she's been nominated so many times and has won so many times. And um, it would be great to see her win as well. Um, Carrie Mulligan, she just hosted SNL, which maybe. Um, with that, she's been fresh in people's minds, but um, 
And she was actually really funny on that. They did a really uh, funny bit about lesbian period dramas that I was a fan of. People sent that to me many times. (laughs) It's hilarious. Um, But yeah, I would go with Frances. How would you guys feel about a Carrie Mulligan win? I think Carrie Mulligan is a great actress. Um, I... I think she did well. In, I like the film. I think she did well in the film. I thought she played the character well. Um, so I wouldn't be against it. I just don't think she had the best performance of the year. I agree, yeah. I I always don't like when actors I love win for roles that I didn't like, like Joaquin Phoenix or Leonardo DiCaprio or something like that. So while I love Carrie Mulligan, I would be fine if she had to wait a couple more years for an Oscar for a role that I actually, in a movie, I liked. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just remembered that the Joker was a thing. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, we usually do have a villain. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so for a c- actress in a supporting role, we have mm, Maria Bakalova, Glenn Close, which is hilarious. Uh, Olivia Coleman, Amanda Seyfried, and Ya Jung Yoon, who pretty much seems like she's going to win. I don't know why Glenn... I mean, I do know why Glenn Close is here. I really wish she wasn't because the Hillbilly Elegy was terrible. I feel bad for Glenn Close because now she's going to have to go through another circuit of everyone telling her how she has never won an Oscar. And she shouldn't have to do that. She should just be able to stay at home and not... Well, I mean, of course, still be at home. But she shouldn't have to worry about this. This was not worthy of a nom. Um, I thought Maria Bakalava had a tremendous performance. Um... Basically turning something out of nothing. Um, she's not going to win. I think Ewan deserves to win 100%. But I'm glad she got nominated. I would not have expected her to get nominated for, for the Borat sequel. Um, but I thought it was a tremendous performance. I know you haven't seen it, Abby. But she literally turns... Like, it could have been a... Like, it was an important part of the movie, obviously. But it could have been way, like, over overshadowed by Borat. But no, she... The movie was about her, basically, by the end of it. I've heard many good things about her... On the note of Glenn Close, she did this to herself. Like, she must have known when she read this script, Oscar bait is, like, written all over it. So I, my empathy, it doesn't extend as far as yours. Yeah, she's trying really hard to finally get her Oscar. And um, I know Olivia Coleman won't win, but I just think it would be hilarious if she did because Olivia kind of stole hers, like, two years ago when Glenn should have won. Everyone thought she was going to win for The Father and then... Olivia Coleman snuck in there for the favorite. Um, also, I, I do, I love Amanda Seyfried and I think she was the best part of Mank, I would say. Um, so I was happy she got nominated. Um, but yeah, I think Yoon will win and she's been giving hilarious speeches lately after every win. Um, most recently when she won the BAFTA, she thanked the British. Um, she said it was an honor because they're known as, quote, snobbish people. And that was just a bit of... Um, my grandma's Korean and she's very similarly like brutally honest and when she compliments you it mostly sounds like an insult so I really enjoyed that and I love her I hope she wins we're ready for her to read the U.S. for filth also Olivia Coleman, another great unhinged speech giver her speech for the favorite where she thinks Lady Gaga I think about it very often I do too <laughs> And then finally, our Best Picture nominees for this year are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, 
Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, my understanding is that Nomadland is the front runner. I have been hearing rumblings about The Trial of the Chicago Seven, which is extremely shocking to me. Um, but apparently, the fact that they won Ensemble at SAG, that is a good indicator for them. I'm not really sure how that tracks, but this is what I read. I, I don't think Nomadland was eligible or nominated for Best Ensemble at SAG, um, because really only there are like two actual actors and the rest are real-life nomads. Um, but yeah, I think Nomadland is definitely the frontrunner, with The Dark Horse being Trial of the Chicago 7, which um, is... Disappointing, but not surprising when you think about it. It is kind of very much that Oscar Beatty movie full of famous white men that we're used to. So I could see that happening. Um, But other than Trial and Mank, which are kind of more traditional Oscar movies, I feel like. I feel like all these nominees um, are kind of fresher than the movies, the Best Picture nominees we're normally used to seeing. So... I'm happy with all of them, I'd say. Yeah, there's some really interesting, very different vibes for a lot of these movies, which I always appreciate. Um, Trial of Chicago 7 better not win. That'd be so disappointing. Just such an L on a, on this year. I mean, maybe we deserve it after that year. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I like Nomadland, and I think it definitely has all the support. I, I mean... Let, we should just say what we feel like the best picture of the year was. And I thought it was Minari. Um, and that's who I would want to win. Um, I don't know if it really has a chance. It Maybe. I, I mean, a lot of people say good things about it. So hopefully. But uh, I'd, I just thought Nomadland is like a, a solid two or three in a normal year. I don't know. It didn't It didn't blow me away personally. It's good though. It, it is good. Yeah, I... I kind of feel like I, I really like Nomadland and I would love for it to win because it's such a kind of quiet, unconventional film to win Best Picture. But at the same time, I kind of don't want it to win because it is such a clear front runner. It would be nice to have a surprise. So um, I feel like you'll see people complaining about it if it wins or if it loses, unfortunately. Another thing is that this year they only nominated eight films and they could have nominated up to 10, which was kind of frustrating knowing that there are those two slots when there were films like One Night in Miami um, that could have gotten a nom, but just didn't. I don't know why. First cow. Or first cow. I'm pretty sure we're all first cow stands here. Oh, that cow. Such a good cow. Yeah, I would say for me, one of the hard things about it this year is that most of these I did not see in theaters, and I think for me that actually like really affects the way I see a film. Um, like so for Minari and Sound of Metal, I watched both of them on in the fall on my laptop, and then like I had the chance to like go see them in theaters recently, and I feel like seeing them for the second time that really made them so much better to me just to see them on a big screen and experience them like that. And so I watched Nomadland in my apartment on my projector, which really does not have the best quality. So I feel like that really hurt my opinion of the film, and I'd love to go see it in theaters. But, yeah. Also, I have so many thoughts on The Trial of the Chicago 7, because I watched it last last night for the first time. 
and it it was so upsetting. It made me really upset. But I also still don't think it's a very good movie. It's just very upsetting to watch. But it does kind of end on that high note that is not historically accurate and kind of feels a little corny. So I can see kind of like older Academy members finishing that movie and feeling really good about America and that time in history and giving it their vote um, when Judas and the Black Messiah is like about a very similar time period. Um, and I think it's a better film, um, but that one has I no chance I was going to say, it's so interesting that those two movies, like they both like center like the murder of Fred Hampton and they are so tonally different and they're both on this list. Right. And, you know, the fact that one of them has better chances than the other and it ends on a very optimistic note um, is super interesting to me. Also, I don't know if you guys uh, heard the beef between Adam McKay and... um, Aaron Sorkin? Aaron Sorkin, yeah. Yeah. Where Adam McKay was like, he's the right-wing version of me. And I was like, I don't like Adam McKay. I'll say it. I just think he's so intensely smug. In some of the things he says and the way he directs movies. But, I mean, he was... That's bold. I don't know. I struggle with The Trial of the Chicago 7 because his point was basically that it um, it really has hope in the system. And I was like, that wasn't really the vibe I got when I watched it. And they also said... Um, was it, what was Eddie Redmayne's character's name? Tom Hayden. Yeah, they were saying, like, he is the most sympathetic character in the movie. And I was like, I again, I did not feel that way. I don't know if that was just the way I read it, but... Oh, I, I loathed Eddie Redmayne in that movie. Yeah, I did not get the impression that Aaron Sorkin really thought that he was the best guy there. I also loved how Eddie Redmayne has a scene with Michael Keaton's character, who kind of shows up out of nowhere. And I just thought... That it was hilarious to put them in a scene together because Eddie Redmayne won his Oscar for the Stephen Hawking movie, um, the year that everyone thought Michael Keaton was going to win for Birdman, and Michael Keaton just so like outacts Eddie Redmayne in that scene. It was just kind of I was embarrassed for him. <laughs> this is see, this is also the problem I had with the trial of the Chicago Seven. It's like this is a historical event, and I'm just like thinking about all these famous people in their roles. Um, I think also, like, Aaron Sorkin dialogue, it's good because it's, like, telling you it's good. Like, it really calls attention to how, like, constructed it is. And I think that can really work, but not really for a historical drama where I'm supposed to be thinking that these are real people and empathizing with them and understanding the history. So that was my problem with it. I did think it had, like, really good scenes but overall, I was like, this is just such an odd, it just, it, it creates such an odd tone. I think he should stop directing his own movies also. <laughs> I think his best movies are the ones where he just wrote the script and gave them to an actual director. Agreed. Also, he's not an Oscar contender, but I think Shane Black should stop directing his own movies as well. That's my opinion. But another really good screenwriter. Who was the guy... Who was the guy who just released the movie with, um, oh man, I am really bad at names, with uh, Zendaya and John Washington? Levinson? Um, Levinson. Not, not only should Sam Levinson not direct his own movies, but like, I just don't, I just don't even know if he should write at all. 
He should stop writing, like, young women characters, I think. <laughs> he needs someone to tell him no. And Zendaya and John Washington obviously did not do that. He also... <laughs> I read that he was, like, talking about the way that movie was made in quarantine, and one of the things he said was that they didn't have a script supervisor. And I was like, wow, can you tell when you watch that movie? Um, Another... uh movie from this year that also kind of took place in the same time period as Trial of Chicago 7 um, was Mangrove from the Small Axe series, which unfortunately is not eligible for Academy Awards, but that was, I mean, it's literally another courtroom drama that came out in 2020, and it, I think it's just miles better than Trial of Chicago 7. Yeah, I was also mentally comparing the Trial of the Chicago 7 to Mangrove while I was watching it, and maybe if I had watched it before I'd watched mangrove i would have liked this more but the fact that i was drawing all the all these comparisons to movies that were better than it and came out last year that really hurt it in my opinion it's also just not what i needed right now i don't know like the slow clap ending i was like okay alrighty. well here we go especially because like bobby seal was still okay there just Mm -hmm. i just didn't like it well i did i i liked it if it's just in a vacuum, I thought it was a fine movie. Zooming out as an Oscar contender? No, no thank you. Not for me. That's how I feel about Promising Young Woman. I was just going to say, like, there was only one ending to a film this year I did not like more than The Trial of Chicago 7 ending, and that was Promising Young Woman. Um, but at least Promising Young Woman is controversial and like sparking debate and there are so many people who love it and so many people who hate it where Chicago 7 is such a kind of like lukewarm uninteresting uh take on that time period um so even though I'm not pro promising young women I I like that it's at least divisive and conversation starting speaking of controversy have you guys been following this nomadland drama they're like arguing about whether or not it depicts Amazon in a favorable way I think that's interesting. I also wonder if that will hurt or help or not have any effect on its chances at all because it's just a couple of journalists fighting over this. It it may hurt how it's remembered. I don't think it's going to hurt at all anything in the voting. Like, <laughs> I don't think these voters are going to care. Um, I also just don't... I don't know. I... I don't feel like Frances McDormand's character was living a glamorous life off of this Amazon salary. I mean... I just it was a job it, it it was a job that helped her survive like I don't think I don't think they made Amazon out to be out the savior or anything and uh, against any criticism or anything like that I don't know that was how I saw it that's how I felt too yeah people I think people who think the film is pro Amazon like did they even watch it like did they miss the part where an Amazon employee could not afford housing like that's the whole point of the movie I think I don't think it's pro Amazon at all but Unfortunately, I think this kind of happens every year where there's a clear front runner and then kind of towards the end they a couple journalists will try to just be contrarian and and come up with a reason to hate it right before it's about to win and I feel like the pro Amazon controversy was like such a reach um and I don't think it'll be successful. I think Nomadland will still I win. I think I need to watch it again this week to really absorb it in its entirety. Yeah, I actually, I did see it in a theater and I'm glad I did because it's very much the type of movie I would 
unconsciously start like reaching towards my phone and scrolling through Twitter while I watch it. But because I was in the theater, I was, you know, in the zone the whole time and uh, it really added to it. I do think this controversy opens up a small chance that Frances McDormand wins and then just roasts Amazon in her speech, which maybe was all worth it if that if that if that happens. I don't know. It could be fun. Were there any other Best Picture nominees that we would have liked to see besides First Cow? Can I be so bold as to say Palm Springs just because I love Palm Springs and I'm so mad that I mean, okay, I'm not that mad because I haven't seen Borat. But the fact that Borat won over it at the um, at the Golden Globes for comedy musical, that was upsetting to me. I mean, like Danielle said, they, there's two more spots. Why didn't, like, if you didn't think there were any more Oscar contender ones left, like, you should have nominated some interesting ones, some fun ones. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I agree. Yeah, and they were, I feel like the two other films that were most likely to get those best picture slots were One Night in Miami and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And it was just not a good look that the two other best picture frontrunners that didn't get those two spots were all black lit films. Uh, so that was upsetting. But I do believe that the rule changed and going forward in the future, they're going to be required to nominate the full 10, mm. um, which is, I'm excited about that at least. Did they really? Do they do they always do an even number? Or have they done odd numbers? Before? I think they've done nine. They like... They've done nine before. Interesting. Yeah, I would have liked First Cow on there. I watched that a couple of times this year. I think... Honestly, I think probably... Not that I know anything about this, but I feel like the how the rollout really got fucked by the pandemic how it came out and then it was shelved indefinitely and then i don't know if it was re-released i'm sure that in no way helped its chances to get awards first cow was probably definitely in my top five movies of the year better than several of the i mean i can't obviously i can't say anything about the the father or mank i think it's definitely going to be above mank if i do end up seeing that film but um yeah that's a little disappointing but maybe Maybe the three of us are just kind of talking to each other as people have seen it. <laughs> the, only, sorry, the only reason I'm, I was happy to see Mank nominated so much is that um, every time David Fincher lost one of the Golden Globes he was nominated for, he took a shot <laughs> um, in his little home office. Um, and I love David Fincher, even though I don't think Mank is his best. So um, I'm kind of hoping we get similarly... Uh, entertaining losing reactions from him the great thing about mank is that it finally forced me to watch citizen kane which i thought was fine and i thought mank was also fine so there you go (laughs) my mom so my mom and i watched mank together and then we watched citizen kane together and then recently she got fully vexed so she went to go see uh, Mank again in theaters and she's like I th- feel like now I need to watch Citizen Kane again and I was like there's just like a never ending cycle of us not understanding what's going on in either of the movies yeah I read the plot summary of Mank before I got on here just in case we talked about it and I was like huh that's what it uh huh okay it really requ- 
maybe maybe this is just my perspective on it, but it really asked me to have knowledge that I didn't have. And I was like, I I feel like I'm really missing the lore here. Right. Um, but the Academy voters do have that knowledge and they definitely love movies that are about movies and about the film industry and old Hollywood. So I understand why it got so many nominations. I believe it was the most nominated film this year. Um, but the kind of funny thing is, is that it's literally about the writing of a screenplay and it did not get a screenplay nomination. Um, which I was surprised about because David Fincher's late father, Jack Fincher, actually wrote the script years ago. And I thought um, that would kind of help its chances of getting nominated, but it might not win a single award all night. I was going to say, it's most nominated, but I don't, I can't off the top of my head think of a single award that it's like favored for. Um, maybe cinematography? Do you guys know who the front runner for cinematography is? I believe Nomadland. All right, then never mind. I take it back. <laughs> yeah. The cinematography of Mank was actually super controversial, like in the film scholar community, apparently, because um, he shot it on digital and then in post edited it to make it look like it was old film. And with, he added like the, like the cigarette burns in the corner sometimes and, really played with the black and white coloring of it. Um, But when you kind of directly compare it to Citizen Kane scenes, which are 80 years old, but look so much better than Mank, um, it's not really what you want in a movie about Citizen Kane. You know, looking at this list, I feel like it says something that Mank is like the least depressing of the movies on here. This is why they needed first cow. They needed they needed a spot of happiness on this list. Also, Emma, which we haven't not uh, talked about, was nominated for costuming. I believe it's costuming. I loved. I think so. I loved yeah. Emma. I don't think necessarily it needed to be best picture nominee, but that was the last movie that I saw in theaters before the pandemic. So that might also be part of it, but it has a special place in my heart. I also loved Emma, and maybe if it got nominated for more, they would have invited Anya Taylor-Joy to go, and she has since become huge because of Queen's Gambit, and I would have loved to see her at the awards, but I doubt she will be there. I don't think she's presenting or anything. Which, speaking of, I don't know if, if you guys have looked into, like, the production of, like, the show on Oscars night, but... They're doing no Zoom speeches at all. You ha- So you have to be in person, either in LA or I believe like they might have like satellite locations at like random hotels in Europe or something. Um, and so if you win and you want to give a speech, you have to be at one of those uh, locations and do it in person to like a very limited audience of other nominees. So I think the show itself this weekend will be interesting to see if that works and if it runs any smooth more smoothly because um of the no zoom speeches yeah that's definitely interesting i haven't been watching like film award shows this year but i have been watching music award shows and that has been very hit or miss i watched the the pre-stream um for the grammys where they give out like the smaller awards 
Um, and there were so many issues with the Zoom speeches, like, so many, like, people, like, they were on mute, and, like, you couldn't hear them, or they froze, and I was like, that, that, that would just be so sad. Yeah, it, it can be tough to watch at times, so I hope, um, that the show isn't too boring, or have too many technical difficulties. I forget who's hosting. Who's hosting? No one. Really? This is, like, the third year in a row, right? Something like that. I don't think they've had a host since the whole um, Kevin Hart controversy a few years ago when they fired him last minute and then never got a replacement. And so they just kind of did random presenters throughout the night. Was that not last year? Oh, my God. I'm losing track of time. <laughs> I just I just read an oral history on the James Franco and Hathaway author uh, Oscars um, oh presenter night. And I think we just need to bring back a host but not like one of the comedy guys. Like let's let's get some crazy combinations because it could be so bad it's good. That's all I have to say. Honestly, I like the host list. I'm like, let's move this along, please. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Maybe if people aren't zooming in and the such, maybe it could be done on time. I don't know. Crazy concept. I mean, I yeah, I'm not a a huge fan of the virtual award show. I thought the Grammys were really good in the way that it was outside and there were like five different tables and they just kind of filtered people through. Unless I'm imagining that. But I can't imagine that they were all there for the whole time. Also, being outside, I think it's a vibe. I think we should keep that. Even when we can go inside again. I agree, yeah. And I think, yeah, it sounds like what they're trying to do will most closely resemble what they did for the Grammys, which... I thought was one of the smoothest so far. Um, And also one of the producers for the Oscars show this year is Steven Soderbergh. Um, I don't know why he's doing this, but I have complete faith in (laughs) Steven Soderbergh. So um, that alone makes me think it'll be a good night. (laughs) He's actually just going to shoot the Oscars on an iPhone. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, do we have any final thoughts? My final thoughts are Stan Minori. Alan Kim was snubbed. Oh my god, Alan King- Kim isn't nominated. That's so sad. I didn't even think about that. Imagine if he gave another speech and then cried accepting his <laughs> Academy Award. That would have been too good to be true. Do we just not deserve good things? Is that what we've learned here? We just don't deserve it? Uh, Maybe so. Let's just give the Oscar to Joker again. Like, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining uh, this Oscars edition of the Real Pulpit podcast. Thank you, Roman and Danielle, for coming. I appreciate it. And hopefully the Oscars are good next weekend. <laughs>